boy, have we got a episode for you. Things are changing. Times are changing. Drew's got some big news. We're going to dive into it. I think his introspection is, is important and something that we should all be doing, you know, maybe even like twice a year or something like that, checking in with ourselves, seeing where we're at. Really excited to share this one with you guys. Whew. Before we get started talking about Helmbot, there's a really cool, it kind of seems like a little update, but it's like such a great update, which is that when a client logs in and you have a full schedule, which of, of course you do, it automatically moves forward so that it goes to the next open appointment. So they don't have to keep scrolling throughout the week to find when you guys have an appointment. It'll just take them right there. So just like when somebody calls and they say, do you have any appointments available today? Oh, we don't have any today, but would you like to book further out in the week? Here's the next time that we have an appointment. The same customer service that you would do over the phone. Helmbot is going to take care of for you when somebody's booking online. Love that. Helmbot.com is where you want to go. Also, big shout out to the FTA. If you're listening to this live, there is a Veterans Day live roundtable hosted by the FTA going on today. I uh, hope to see you guys there. FTA is pulling out all the stops. They're getting things done. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really appreciate the community roundtables, bringing in experts and uh, bringing in the community to have these big discussions. It, it's really um, quite helpful for us as business owners, and it just means a lot that the FTA is giving back to the community like that, like they do. Go to flotation.org to check them out. Highly recommend supporting them so that you're supporting the industry. They take care of us. You take care of them. We all do it as a community. It's great. It's beautiful. I love it. Flotation.org. Check them out. All right. Let's find out what's going on with Drew. Back to another episode of Art of the Flow. We're flow, for the most part, flow centers thrive. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit here. Everybody's thriving. Everybody's thriving. Uh, but uh, my name is Dylan, and I own the float shop with my wife Sandra in Portland, Oregon. And um, you know, we'll we'll get this in, into this a little bit more later. But uh, we're undergoing some serious construction right now, and our our shop is being uh, torn apart, or, or is about to be torn apart, and we probably won't be open uh for at least a month so we have some major stuff going on um which uh olga producer olga if you're listening let's go ahead and carve out an episode for that uh coming up um so uh yeah if uh you want to talk about selling a float center i could consider selling my float center right now that would be a consideration yeah um no to to be completely honest we've been open for 11 years now and um I think I think we're getting to that point to think about uh, what's next for us and uh, potentially moving on. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'm Kim Hannon. Uh, I co-own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana with my husband Graham. I wonder how like fast I can roll that off my tongue. Um, we've been open almost four years now, and last Wild. week our Halo generator went down. And so I've been like racking my brain trying to come up with solutions. And that's been like a full-time job trying to figure out how to fix that. So what's a halo generator, Cam? It's a good question. A halo generator is a medical device that grinds and uh, disperses pharmaceutical grade salt into our salt cave. It's what makes halo therapy work. And you can't have a successful salt cave without it. You can, you can have passive, but we're not, we don't do the whole passive thing. We do an active cave, but <laughs> I will soon be selling a halo generator. 
Nice. And this is Drew from New Hampshire Float. And for the last, what, two or three years, people have probably heard me go back and forth from, <laughs> you know, getting frustrated. I'm out to, I love it. And um, I'm kind of bipolar with it. But I, after five years, have officially, truly decided to sell my float center. And I am looking to do something else. And it's something that I did not take lightly and I really put a lot of thought into. And I think uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that as we go forward here, talking about uh, the decision and what really, you know, makes people want to sell or why you would sell. And I think I'm lucky that I am in a good spot that I'm not burnt out per se, uh, but my interests have changed and I have ADHD. I'm, I would consider myself an entrepreneur and doing the same thing day in and day out does not, it doesn't burn my candle, you know, and the chase and the journey of trying to start a float center was absolutely incredible, but I did it. And now I'm just running a float center and um, not to, and I don't want to make that sound negative, but for me, that repetitiveness of going to the same place, doing the same thing, like I need doubters, I need haters, I need I need a thing to really focus on that we is tried. my goal, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. So it's kind of been a, a probably horribly kept secret to a lot of people <laughs> in the float industry, um, but I am like truly trying to sell my business and coming up with that decision. I didn't take lightly. I really thought about it and I've built an incredible community in my, in my community. And I want that to continue forward. I want someone with new energy to come in mm-hmm. and do things that I'm just not doing right now. You know, I'm kind of cool. yep. Yep. whatever right now, you know, you know, uh, one thing here real quick. Um, I think we're going to need to stop the recording and redo this. Uh, can you say, um, I'm going to sell my float center and then Kim and I, I think it's going to be record better if we go like, oh my God, you're selling, like just add a little drama to it. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Drum roll, please. I am going to be selling my float center. Oh, oh my God. What? Oh, no way. What? No, 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 not like Don't this. Let, no. No. Do it. Do it. You can't leave us, Drew. Drew, come on. Come on. I will always be around in spirit and <laughs> and hopefully I'll continue to be a resource. So for everyone out there listening, um, we're going to do a little bit of a series about this. We're going to follow along my journey as I try to sell and I'm going to share as much information as I can. And I do hope to be a resource for others because I do think getting right into it, when you make the decision, the earlier you make that decision and start planning, the better mm-hmm. off you are. <laughs> and I have been actively uh, preparing my float center for almost a year now to sell. Like I've been doing a lot, learning a lot, trying to figure out how to get the best value out of it. And if you're in a good spot, I suggest you start doing these things because if you wait until you are completely burnt out, that is the worst time to sell your float center. You will not get the value that you would get should you give yourself more of a buffer and more time where you're like, yeah, I want to sell, but I don't have to sell, right? Right. And if I think you get to a point. Yeah. That's what's so unique about where you are right now is like you've 
been so successful for so long and your center still continues to really thrive. And that is just such a different place than to be in a place of panic and fear and mm. trying to, you know, dig yourself back yeah. out um, where what you've created has worked and worked really, really well. It is just sometimes things evolve and sometimes, you know, what you want in life, um, it changes. And for sure. I think that's and, okay. And I feel like several guests have brought this up. I, I believe Graham Talley has brought this up, which is entrepreneurs want to spin things up. They don't want to hang out and keep it spinning. You know, it's exciting to to wind something up. I know Gloria's talked about that for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily know that everybody knows that about themselves when they start. You know, <laughs> they just like, this is the thing I want to do. And then three years in, they're like, oh, the fun part's done. The day-to-day isn't, isn't what I wanted. Mind you, there are 100,000 people out there who want to do the day-to-day too. Having the float center specifically is absolutely fulfilling for them. But Drew, you, it sounds like you want to wind things up. And, and not, I'm not saying walk away, but you know, that's <laughs> the part that thrills you. Totally. You that, that chase. And, mm. and I'm definitely like, you know, my dad died when I was young. I didn't have a great relationship with my mother. Mm. I was kind of on my own when I was really immature and I had to, I had to survive. I had to figure things out and I'm comfortable with hope and with chasing a dream. I've been doing that for years and I thrived when I was chasing the dream of the float center and building a float center and having people tell me it was a dumb idea and why would you do that? And I just knew because I was floating and they weren't, right? People who were telling me this is a dumb idea, they weren't floating and they didn't get it, but I did and I I got it and I thought if I can just convince people to try it, they'll get it too, right? And that chase really and that doubt, I thrive in that. I feel I need that fire and it makes me feel alive and yeah some people can go to the same job for 20 years and be happy right that's not me you know it's just not so being honest with myself about where i was at and what my interests were i think was the first step and also my skills like you know i've been open about my struggles with employees and training and hiring <laughs> and identifying and yeah, yeah. Those aren't my skills. That's not my skill set. I stink at that. And I think, um, you know, I've built something that is awesome for someone to come in and have better skills than I have in certain aspects and continue to thrive with the flow center and get those warm and fuzzies and feel really good about it. But they didn't have to go through the horrors of building out a float center. I literally have scars on my body uh, from cuts from the metal two by fours that I use because I cut myself like half a dozen times, right? I remember falling asleep on my kitchen island, just covered in dust, no shirt on, just feeling disgusting and exhausted. And my hands were swollen and sore. And that was like when I was in it, still working as a probation officer. Like it's someone a, gets it's to a rated skip G that. episode, Drew. Jeez, <laughs> we're building this up here. Jeez, we're trying to let you keep <laughs> going, but we're we're stuck on Drew. <laughs> Drew, <laughs> Drew asleep on the island. <laughs> you get me going. I, yeah, waking up like what? What's going on? But just being delirious with trying, like. Having a goal and being focused on it and yeah. attaining it, right? Yeah. 
and now it's a thing and I never really thought about what happens once it's done. Yeah. I just have to keep working at it. Like, yeah. I don't really want to do that. That's yeah. not what I want to do. I don't want to go to the same place every single day. And, um, that's something I've learned about myself. I'm not good in a cubicle. I've done those jobs. I sucked at it. I was always disappearing and you know, I couldn't sit still. And, um, as some people have heard it previously, I bought a house up in the mountains and that has me up in the, you know, I'm up in the mountains quite a bit and I want to be up in the mountains more. That's the older I get, the more I want to be with nature and kind of cruise and be a hippie a little bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you've been on like the longest hyperfocus ever. You know, for those who have ADHD, they know what hyperfocus is. If you're not familiar with it, basically ADHDers have a hard time paying attention to a lot of things, depending on their type. I'm not, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but generally speaking, if there's something that you're interested in, you can hyperfocus for days and lose track of time, lose track of years, you know, and, but the second you lose interest, all of a sudden it becomes the most challenging difficult impossible thing that like Mm. it is so hard to force yourself to do anything and you know it's a fascinating little bitty like fine line in the brain um that can be so super exciting and then all of a sudden oh my gosh i can't do this anymore and so the fact that you've made it this long is really impressive i think you know when i i think about my career and um Previously in the corporate world, I was with the same company for 15 years. But within that, I was changing jobs every few years. And it was, you know, getting promoted, learning new skills, doing something a little bit different, building on what I learned. And that kept my interest. Um, And I noticed even, you know, opening our float center and then opening Mindful Solutions, kind of doing both at once. That was a hell of a challenge for me. And I loved it. But then I got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, we did this and kind of like you do. I'm like, well, what else can I do? And I keep looking for ways to evolve what I'm doing. And maybe it's, you know, taking an employee under my wing and like showing them how to do some things. Maybe it's removing myself a little bit from the, even more from certain aspects of the operations. Um, And for me, it's exciting to be able to create a system or train someone else on how to do that. But um, I'm constantly looking for a little bit of that kind of that feedback. It's like a feedback loop um, and something that's exciting, a challenge to overcome. So I totally get where you're coming from, Drew. I'm just not ready to let go yet. Um, I mean, if somebody came in and offered me like the right price tag, <laughs> I am I would consider because then I would turn around and do it again, a different right, way, a right, better yeah. way or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Totally, totally. You know, but I... You would just walk away. A million dollars. One yeah. million dollars. Um, but I would, you know, I have a list of business ideas. I used to have post-it notes on my wall over here to the right with all of these business ideas I wanted to do. And I realized like having it there was bad for my mental health because I felt like mm. it was distracting me. And I felt like I was failing because I wasn't doing those things when they were just really, yeah. things would be really cool. But I can't tell you how many complete business plans I have, how many like concepts, branding, (sighs) logo sketches, like all of that. And not to say that they won't ever happen because when the economy turns back around, some things might start happening. But I never thought I was an entrepreneur. I never thought I was going to be a small business owner. I just fell in love with the float. And then I think, Drew, like what you're saying, though, is like you kind of sometimes get addicted to that, like build it. And, um, right now I just keep building more and more and more around the float world, you know, and, mm-hmm. and keeping it within that, that circle, but there might be things that eventually come along that are kind of tangents, 
but still somewhat related. But yeah, man, mm. uh, you guys are I, wow! Like, there's so many of the things you guys are talking about uh, feel very personal to me. My goodness, um, I, I feel um, such similarities. I, I when I was building the float shop, and it, it was, it felt like this is all I will ever do was building. I, it, it, it was hard to even imagine it being open and running it. And then, you know, there's the day where it switches and all of a sudden this is your new life is running it. It was, it was so different. Um, but during that time of building it, and, and I think even maybe when, I, when it was open, I thought, uh, this is the beginning of a franchise. Like my, th- th- there is only so much money here. I know I will be having these all over the place and we're going to run this place where the West coast is going to be mine, baby. Um, I did, I did it wasn't that literal, but I, I thought that I was going to be franchising and that there were going to be a bunch of locations. And really what in my head is like, should I own every location or should it be a franchise? You know, like these are the conversations I'm having. And then we open and very quickly it was like, Oh, f- uh, F and a cotton. <laughs> we, this is not dialed in. You cannot franchise with, a float center looking like, uh, not looking like running behind the scenes, everything about this, this doesn't make sense. Uh, it was still the wild west when things were going on. And so there was a lot of like fine tuning of it and then back the multiple businesses part of it. And like, how do we do this? And then the float shop became this like, um, kind of like little experimental box to, to try things out in as opposed to, uh, yeah, we opened this. It's perfect. And now we will replicate it. That just wasn't the case. And then meanwhile, while I was still like trying to figure out like, what is the perfect design for a float center? Franchises started popping up and they started, you know, to different degrees of success. They were happening. And I was like, I, I don't I don't feel like we're we're there yet. But th- it took that person to be like, this is what's propelling me forward. It was that it was more. I don't want to say more important than quality, like which I feel like what I was about to say was going to sound like that. My value system I discovered wasn't about franchising. I don't think that would have fulfilled me. Um, and things being a little bit more intimate, smaller scales, smaller relationships feels uh, has more meaning to me, more more power. And um, and then those people were figuring it out, you know, like what, whatever. I mean, and I don't have any insights to it, but when you expand to scale like that, then you, you have more mistakes, you figure it out. And, um, and then you're able to adjust to a scale that with this one center, I wasn't able to do. Meanwhile, Kim, when you're talking about that stuff, I'm also thinking like, oh yeah, I started art of the float. Like the, so it wasn't a franchise, but it was this way to kind of keep things small, but have a big reach at the same time. And, um, all the things that art of the float has done where it's like, I want to spin this up and then I want to spin this up. And then you know, it went from blog to podcast to photography to mm. blogs to the next stuff that we'll be doing. You know, the store that's on there, like clothes. Uh, it just it keeps building because it's like there's more. Like you see the niche, you see <laughs> what's missing. You know what your center <clears throat> needs, and then it's like, how come this doesn't exist? And then you you just you feel that compulsion to fill it in. Um, and then you also are like, and maybe things will be outside the float community too, or a tangential or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I feel I've everything you're saying I feel too. And I know our brains are working differently. They're in different spaces, but the soul of it just feels so similar for both of you to me. <laughs> and that's a, those are examples of your entrepreneurial spirit for both right. of you who you're doing these other things and 
yeah, I mean, neither, correct me if I'm wrong, but neither of you are going into your float shop five days a week, right? right. Correct. Yeah. Not correct so, you because yeah. you are not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, like, so that's not you either. Because if you wanted to be doing it, you could be doing that. Right. But that's yeah. not yeah. your. That's your style. What makes you happy? What burns your candle? However you want to say it. That's not what fulfills you. It's doing these other things and building on these other opportunities that you see that come about. And what are you doing? You're doing that chase. You're going through the process. Right. You're trying to build, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just doing the one thing that you did. You're doing more. And mm-hmm. for people, I, I do believe everyone who owns a float center and started a float center, we're different cats. Yes. We are different than other people. <laughs> it's and true. It is really it's true. very true. To, like, to go <laughs> forward in floating, to start one from scratch in an area that didn't have one and – People didn't know about it. Like you're a di- for everyone listening, you're a different person, <laughs> and don't edit, let anyone ever tell you you can't do anything. Because if you are still operating three, four, five years later, you Dude. did it. You're doing it. You're eleven doing things years that later, are, like eleven years later. That yeah, that's yeah. nuts. Like you survived for eleven years. There's so much to be proud of with that. And and people who have worked at the same job for twenty years aren't like us, mm-hmm. right? Just not, not. not better so, or worse. Just different. no, just different. Yeah. yeah. And I, sometimes I wish, like, sometimes I think I wish I was good at math and <laughs> I was okay with just being boring and I could be a CPA and make a bunch of money and live this, you know, kind of mundane life. Like I wish I could be happy with that, but I need risks. I need to take, I'm like a risk taker. I, I like living on the edge. I have an authority issue. So when people are telling me not to do something, I'm like, F you, I'm going to go do that. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I, I won't get into it, all the stories right now, but I feel like that is very true of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord have mercy to have issues with, with authority, which is so weird. Conceptually, I don't, but in action, I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, and, if we, and if, we, if we were okay with authority, at some point, all of us would have not done what we did because right. mm-hmm. I'm, I don't even need to know, but I know there are people who doubted you. When you started this, and they were like, "What are you doing? People you gonna pay you to part, float in water?" I've never—I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. The lame part for me was I didn't have haters. I didn't have people saying this is the dumb idea. I had everybody being like, "Yeah, awesome! I'll be there when you open. Like that's so cool. I'll—I'll I'll be there." And none of them showed, and I didn't hear from them again. You know, like they—they yeah. they just fell off the map, and that was almost worse. You know, like I <laughs> thought you were gonna be there, man, and and uh, to be like, how long does it take to visit? Oh, now it's been two years. <laughs> now it's been three. Okay, like yeah, this is. It's really funny over. you say that because like one of the the number one things we heard from friends and family who came to visit our center when we opened, they would walk there and go, whoa this is like a, a real place. It's like a real business. And like, it's, it's real yep. as if we were doing something that was just like a hole in the wall, so you know, we're going to piece together this thing and see if it works and not launch hmm. a real business. It, and I remember yeah. having conversations with Graham that like, what do they mean? Like, what did they think we were doing? I, I mean, we said we're investing like everything, and we're going to create this amazing place <laughs> totally. and to have people walk in. And <laughs> I love that they loved it, but it was also like a, kind of painful to have people be like, whoa, like this is real. You you guys are actually doing this? I'm like, oh, 
come on. <laughs> my, my favorite is uh, my brother had to remind me of this where it was either USPS or it was a UPS driver dropped drop something off during construction. It was like maybe a float tank was like sitting in the lobby or something. And he's like, well, what's Naturally. going on here? And explained it. And he goes, and people will pay for people that. People pay for that. Yeah. And uh, like, like, yeah, it didn't even rub me the wrong way. And then my brother like, you know, told me, you know, it's, it's stuck with him. And he told me about it. I was like, yeah, that, that's a, uh, that was a lot of people's thinking, you know, yeah. they're, they're not going to say it. Like he was just not, you know, socially being cool, but most people stifle that, uh, mm-hmm. but people are going to mm-hmm. pay to do nothing for 90 minutes. Are, are you insane? You invested yeah. how much? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out they will. Turns out they, they will. will. Yeah. And it turns out will. that the world needs more of it. Lots yeah. more of it. Yeah. And that's also the other underlying fact for all of us that started a float center is we truly believe in it. And it's something that we all really care about. And we didn't do it to get rich. Like that wasn't making money was not my that was like fourth or third or fourth, fourth or fifth on my list of what motivated me. And you know, to to be in the position where now I'm selling, I do also feel like as I've been talking to people, they're like well, what's the catch? And it's like, there's no catch. I care about this. I just buy potential buyers. I mean, potential buyers. Yeah. And it's like, well, why do you want to sell? Right. It's like, I just want to go do something different. It's that simple. But, uh, I feel like there's this, there's this little bit of like, well, what's the, what's the rub? What's the deal? Like no rub. I just, I, it's been a six year journey longer. I actually from the like daydreaming standpoint. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm just tired of doing it. I want to go do something different. I'm not a day-to-day person. I, I This is literally the longest job I've ever had. I haven't had a job that I went to every day for five years. Mm-hmm. I'm now doing that. And, and it's not just any job though, Drew. Like this is a big job. This is an all-in kind of job that um, yeah. you can't just turn off at night. And, you know, if you're right. doing it right, you care. You know, you, you talked about that. And I think there have been some folks, I think, who got into the industry and thought that it was a way to make money. And those are the folks that typically they're, they close within a year or two. Um, you know, they, totally. they don't make it past that. And to say, you know, that you've made it this far and you're still running, still successful people are still wanting to come in and um, float with you is, is huge. And the fact that, you know, you're not in this huge rush to get rid of it, like that you want to find the right people, I assume, to, to take over, right? Totally. And coming back to kind of full circle about making the decision. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, I'm not burnt out. I, I'm in a good position to negotiate because I'm not burnt out. I do want to go do something else, but, um, you know, I'm not super unhappy. Like I kind of, I kind of have my thing, my space dialed in and, um, kind of on cruise control more than anything else, mm-hmm. right? I'm not like hitting the gas. Yeah, that's a yeah. great feeling. I will say that's a great really, feeling. really great feeling to be able to just walk in and like not have to worry about things. I popped by the center last night to drop off some new brochures and like I didn't feel like I had to go inspect anything. Like I, you know, I just pop in to just kind of check in like so that I know and I can say that I've done it, but it feels so good to know that like my team's taking care of stuff and like that is so different 
from where I started. And I remember probably in some of my early episodes on the podcast talking about like, I want to be there. Graham and I are like the faces of our business and I don't want other people running this, you know, and how much that transition like came out of nowhere, but it just felt right. And I think part of it, Drew, was really recognizing that like, my interest, I wasn't as fulfilled. I love being there and talking to the people, but it was the day in, you know, the day in, day out kind of stuff that I, I just knew I had more um, that I needed to be doing and, and to be offering um, and to, to kind of evolve and, and grow and change with that. Totally. And that's actually a good point. Like for the first like three or four years, I wanted to be there talking to people about floating. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, at this point, I've probably had the same conversation 10, 12,000 times, <laughs> right? Like legitimately, I'm, I sometimes I'll catch myself saying something. I'm like, didn't I just say that? It's like, no, I said it an hour ago. Oh, right? interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it, it's, huh. um, but now those 16 hour days feel like 16 hour days because I'm in the same spot mm-hmm. saying the same things after 10,000 times. And that's not my personality. Otherwise, I'd have been at the same job I was at. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So I'm curious, so, Drew. Have you thought about? Because I mean, it's like you said before. Your your kind of pendulum swings with hiring employees and creating a team to run it for you. Like, what was it that made you decide that having people run it for you wasn't the right solution? That you really did want to sell and you know move hmm. on to something else. So that's a great question because I've had – so something I found is that the same people who were telling me not to open a float center have have been telling me don't sell your float center. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know it's a good of decision. <laughs> you, know, you were telling me not to do it. I did it. It was Now you're telling me don't do it. Now I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it. Why are they do saying it. don't do it? What's their – Because it's a good – like let it – you know. You got to manage it, run it, you got a good thing going. Yeah. Why would you, then what? Right. Like, well, what are you going to do now? Right. Ah, So like, don't worry about me. Mentality. They live in a different world. Yeah, totally. And what do I have now? I have, uh, six years of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, I, six years of knowledge of, and, and doing something that people said I couldn't do. And I have this, I have this confidence that, Believe me when I say it is not cockiness. I am very confident in my abilities to succeed at whatever I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though starting a float center proved that to myself. Mm -hmm. I don't need anyone's advice to to tell me on whether or not I should sell my float center. I don't need – so like people I was talking to uh, and my like – the people I looked up to when I first started Mm -hmm. my float center – I feel like I'm the the student that has passed the teacher because now I have I've I started a business, I went through a partnership that dissolved, I'm looking to sell the business. None of these people have done any of that. They're good at business, but they haven't been through the things I've been through and they didn't take I, I feel attacked, Drew. I, I feel attacked. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not no float people included in that. They're non float people, right? And the biggest reason I want to sell is because I want a chunk of cash to go do my next thing with, which I'll so announce cool. someday. But yeah. I need my I need my bag to go 
do my next project. That's my capital. That's my reward for the last five years of hard work that I did that I think I'll be able to take what I've done, pass it to someone else in a win-win situation and relationship where someone who doesn't own their own business right now and we'll get to this, but that's why I think would end up buying my flow center is someone who's not maybe a, someone who's floated and is like, okay, I'm ready for a change, but mm-hmm. they're going to be able to learn business. They're going to be able to learn all the things I've learned over the last five years. And I now have that knowledge and will take the money. Uh, and just real quick, I mortgaged my house to start the business. I took a major risk and I I did a lot of it with my own two hands. I didn't hire a general contractor. I saved in every way I could and I was willing to do what I could do. But now I feel as though I've earned, you know, my little chunk of change and I'll take that and that's what I need to start my next business, which I think I can 1000% make successful and I'm confident with my abilities to do that if I can just get that startup capital. So, um, and, and I've also had, it's so funny, people are so old school, they're like, why don't you just leverage your business and get a loan from the bank? I'm like, it's, that's not how it works. You know, <laughs> like, you're just gonna, you're so, I don't know why you think that you can just go to a bank and be like, hey, I have a business, can I get 500 grand? Like, okay. no, you can't, that's not how it works, you know? So, um, so that's kind of how, how I got to that, that, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to learn how to manage people. I'm the type. I've learned this about myself. I need to know what I need to do. I need someone who knows what they need to do. We'll high five, go do what we got to do, come back and high five again because it's done. I can't be looking after you and looking over your shoulder and checking to make sure you – I'm not good at that. That's not my skill set. I struggle with that. So um, – you know, trying to hire Gloria's obviously she does good at that. She identifies, she trains, she lifts people up. She's mm-hmm. she's great at that. That's not a skill set I have, and that's being honest with myself that that mm-hmm. I don't have that. Yeah. So I'm limited with what I can do with my flow mm-hmm. center, right? So that's where I think it could be a win win for someone else who has skill set that I don't nice. have, nice. and come in and improve and do better than what I'm doing, right? And then I can go and do my own thing on my next thing. And it can be a win-win for everybody. But yeah, to get back to the answer, Kim, that's really it. I want a chunk of change to go do my next project. Yeah. That's it. Cool. And, yeah. yeah. And and it's change that you've earned. You've invested, you know, you've given so much to that place for so many years and, and to be able to create it and to create it in a way that was really smart, that is obviously successful, you know, and, and I, like we looked at a potential second location and at some point that might still happen, but um, man, construction costs are crazy right now. So, you know, if you were here, I would be looking at you like really hard considering buying instead of, you know, building another center like that. It is, it's a smart, you know, it's a good time to be in that position because construction, new construction right now is just wild. Um, totally. Not that it was not that it was ever cheap to begin with, right. <laughs> um, but pretty wild to see you know how things uh, have evolved just in the past few years. Totally, mm-hmm. and um, and I, this is probably a good time too to maybe bring up um, you know uh, we were talking it's about six years maybe seven year journey that I've been on since the inception mm-hmm. of the idea, but um, we were talking before we started the podcast and maybe you can speak on this a little more, Kim, yeah. about the. Uh, 
I don't know if it's really called the seven year itch, but <laughs> everybody knows it's a seven year itch. It's a, everyone it's knows a, what that is. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, and you're, you've been married for five or six years, get ready. <laughs> um, but it applies to every, it applies to all sorts of relationships. If you look at, you know, jobs, if you know, from the past, if you um, look at just about any relationship, honestly, and even looking kind of blowing it up, looking at the float industry as a whole, um, things tend to operate in seven-year cycles. And a lot of times at the end of that, you know, as you're coming to that seventh year, um, there's a lot of uneasiness. There's a lot of questioning that's going on of, you know, is this right for me? Is this not right for me? Mm. Um, specifically, if you look at it from a marriage perspective, that's when most people cheat. A lot of divorces happen within that um, seven-year, you know, range. Um, there's a lot of, like, information behind it. I don't know enough to go like super in depth on it, but um, I do see it play out a lot. I know so many people who stay at their jobs for six to seven years and then they've, they're done. Um, you know, looking at our industry, we hit this huge growth spurt six to seven years ago. And we're starting to see some folks now who are kind of like, Whew, this has been wild. It's been great, but it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to, to try something new and different. And there are also still so many people coming into it at the same time. And so it's not like there's this like broken industry thing happening, right. but it's, I think we had so many people who were coming in at the same time. And then many of those same folks were kind of in that class together and starting to weed themselves or not weed themselves out, but kind of you know, recognize that there might be something more. It might be time for a change. You know, you've, like you said, you've done it, you built it, you made it happen. And now what? Um, but there's seven years, I mean, seven years. I, if you've hit the three year mark, I think that is incredible. <laughs> seven years is. Mm-hmm. How do you get to 11? To <laughs> How do you get to 11, Dylan? I got nothing. I got nothing. You, just, <laughs> you start a podcast. That's yeah. Al. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, going back a little bit, I, I, um, to what you guys were talking about, or I guess drew specifically about like, I've had this conversation so many times. I do still enjoy the conversations mostly, um, like Kim, if I fold another towel, like I, I feel like a needle is being put under my fingernail, a little bamboo shoot is being put under my fingernail. It hurts. Um, and then there are people, I would say about 70% of the time, it's such a cool conversation afterwards to talk with them. And then 30% of the time, I'm like, you, you're you not an energy vampire. You're a cool person. But because I've done this so many times, I feel my energy being released. You know, like there's a cost to it that's higher because I'm not as fresh, you know. And, and I love practicing presence when talking with people. And I love practicing presence particularly in my lobby, right? Like connecting with somebody, bringing them into this, seeing their excitement levels, trying to figure out where they're coming from. Like I enjoy that game to keep me active, my brain and my soul connected, you know, like that is, that's important for me. And there are are times where it's like, oh my God, this is so difficult for me and I'm going to get through it. I'm going to, I'm going to maintain, but this costs, this costs me for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know how to get it from seven to 11. Um, <laughs> one of the just, just hold random- your breath and hope. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly it. No. <laughs> um, I mean, two of those years were through a pandemic too. Right. Like what a weird ass time. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. ah, shoot. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, 
Drew, there's something else that you're talking about that I wanted to hit on. Oh, you know what? It just keeps bubbling up for me um, on tonight's episode. And I haven't said anything about it. Is is that? Um, and and we've talked about it before, but that you listened to the podcast, you reached out, we consulted together. You were an absolute sponge for this stuff. You you were very not not aggressive in like a negative like. Yeah, this guy's aggressive, but like you were aggressive hungry. with information. You 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 were hungry yeah. for the information. Yeah. You would ask yeah. directly. Um, and I also got that you were a sweat equity guy as well. Um, and and then mm, yeah, I won't I won't make any comments on your business partner. But what I saw in you was just tons of uh, drive and grit, and I and that was uh, very cool. Like I had a lot of respect for for what you were doing. And then for you to join uh, the podcast after opening uh, was was really exciting. And it was kind of funny looking back. It's like, yeah, we need the um, the the new owner, you know, like the the fresh green type of, of person on the podcast too. Uh, but you obviously brought so much more to the game. Um, and then to see you cash in in your chips, but like, yeah, I, I did this. I worked my ass off. I contacted the right people to get the right information to do this correctly. I put in the effort to build it properly. I connect with people to build the audience, the the clientele, and and I'm cashing in my chips to keep myself fulfilled, provide for the family, like all, all the things that that fulfill you. Um, I I love that. It's it's just it's just crazy. I, my mind is kind of melting as as we're talking tonight, listening to you guys. Little full and, circle. And- yeah, and full circle. And everything you just said is all stuff that I've learned and can do the exact same thing with in the next thing I want to do. Yeah. And I'm already doing that. I know you need people saying you can't, but you're not going to get that from us because we've seen that from you. We, we know what you can do. So like, like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, yes, you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of figured out a formula of how to do mm-hmm. it. And I'm willing to work hard and I've proven it to yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I will do that for my next thing. I just, I just hope for my next thing that I'll be able to not have to like be there day to day. And I do believe yeah. I'll figure that out yeah. to be able to do that, you know? Um, but yeah, what a journey it's been. And I feel <laughs> like I'm very lucky from how it began and to be at this point now and have being able to even decide now like I said, I'm not burnt out. I still, in, mm. I still do enjoy talking to the people. At this point, I have, um, I've have, I have like friendly customers where there's this gray area where they're a customer but friends now mm. too. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's part of uh, making a decision too early versus too late. Like maybe I'm doing it too early, and I could be fine for another couple of years. But my interests are changing and I don't want to be in a bad spot where I'm taking the lowballest offer because as we'll get into in other episodes, other people who don't understand floating and what you went through to build it won't value it the same way that you do. And that will be an interesting episode when we talk about value. And How often do we talk about how like the build out <laughs> is going to be way longer than you think? And they're like, yeah, okay. And they know it's not going to be that long. It's going to be single time. Every time. So there's every no time. way somebody buying a float center understands mm-hmm. how much goes into opening a float center. They cannot. They they literally cannot understand it. Nope. Yeah. Yep. And so there's to, value to, in to that. Convince them. Well, yeah. Tell me about right. the value. Well, so there is value in that. And even if they don't, so that's where um, it's it's kind of a kind of a mind. F- 
mind F because <laughs> you have, you're trying to sell to people who don't understand. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about value and I won't get too much into value, but there's a disconnect there. We know what it takes to start a float center from scratch. We know what went into the float rooms. Mm-hmm. We know how long that took, the journey. You don't want to buy my float center? Good luck. Go put one next to me. I'll, by the time you're done in two years, I'll sell my float center to someone who sees the value. But I know what it takes and, and add to everything going on in the world. It's going to take you longer and cost you more money than it took me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. True. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's really so, funny. Like that just reminds me of my initial timeline that we announced Sukino in the summer of 2017. We announced that we were opening it. We're getting ready to gear up and start construction. It took so us that winter, like, I assume. Uh, uh, mm, yeah, we were hoping <laughs> by the end of the year. And, Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we knew that more realistically, because we did listen a little bit to all of those, like, it's not going to happen by then. We thought early 2018, like, definitely. Mm-hmm. It took us over five months just to get um, funding approved. Five months just to get mm-hmm. funding approved. We opened in November 2018. Wow. Announced it wow. to our friends and family in June of 2017. Announced publicly uh-huh. in June of uh, July of 2017 and didn't open until November 2018. So that alone, oh my gosh, there was that was just such a hard, long, painful time of like scrapping for everything, you know, anything we could get looking for locations, looking, you know, get all the work that went into it. And Mm -hmm. I just look at that now and I'm like, whew, that was like the longest time ever. And then construction was quick for us. I mean, it only took four months. It was only four months. (laughs) Only four months. Not bad. Four months. Right. Out of that super long timeline. Just wild to look at it and and to be able to, you know, present somebody else with the opportunity. And that's really what this is. It's the opportunity for somebody yeah. else to be able to step in and miss all of that agony. They'll never have the same sense of appreciation for it, having not gone right. through it. But the agony that goes into that, like, oh, I don't even know. Knowing now, I don't know if I could put a price tag on that. Like oh, how yeah. much. Oh, my God. Yes. All oh, the toll was. on Sandra and I's relationship at the time. Brutal. Absolutely. Uh-huh. The fact that we're still yeah. together. Like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no no dollar sign yeah. above that, you know, like mm-hmm. priceless to, mm-hmm. to avoid that. Um, yeah. But but that what you're talking about makes me think, like Drew, you're talking about a series of episodes going in depth about selling. But this almost seems like if you're buying, these are the episodes to, yeah. to find the insights onto the equity that goes into building these places out, um, the value that you're buying into. Totally. And that's that. Be, uh, kind of a preview. That's kind of my job now is to try to show people the reason I'm asking, the asking price I'm asking includes the journey you don't have to go through. <laughs> uh, and not only that, you don't have to go through it now in our current economic conditions. Right. Because it was yeah. bad back then. It's even worse now, right? Yeah. So if you so want to yeah. – so many factors, right? But trying to show that to people because also people get really focused on the profit and loss. And that's a piece of it, mm-hmm. right? You obviously have to have a profitable business. But right. there's 
there's value in skipping that bill though and having customers and having right this already established email list of thousands of people a brand right being number one on your search engines or whatever right like social media there's there's value in all types of things Mm -hmm. and um you know we'll talk about that more but when people have no business sense in there trying to tell you what your business is worth i i actually told my wife i said to her when this all started i said do not let me devalue my business to someone who doesn't understand my business. It's the yet. worst thing you could do. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yes, they're right. going to get it. That's, They'll that's get it eventually. Your job. Yes. Yeah. And You'll find it. Oh, nice. Yeah, but, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's easy for someone who doesn't understand what we do to mm-hmm. put, place a lower value yeah. on it. How many and, people walk into a float center and say, man, that was awesome. I'm going to get a float pod and I'm going to put it in a room with a shower. Done. Right. Uh, no. So, so you're paying <laughs> for a car, first of all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Step one. Yeah. And, yes. then, right. and then they're like, oh, oh, that's why then, I pay for what I do for a float. Yeah. Like, actually, that's only one piece of why you pay what you do for a float. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and the truth is, in five years, um, there really hasn't been a float center open up near me, mm-hmm. like within an hour, 50 that's minutes. Wild. Right. And, and so you'd mm-hmm. think if it was that easy, more would have popped up. Hasn't yeah. happened. Right? We've had a, so, a lot of folks who come in and said, "Hey, I'm you know I'm thinking about yeah. opening a, a center in town." I'm like, all right, cool. Let's show you what it go, what goes into it. Yeah, and, they're like, "Wait, you don't just sit behind the desk and talk to everyone?" <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> I wish, but uh, but there's so much part of the float. good that comes out of that, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Co-owner of Art of the Flow, uh, Brian, he doesn't like me saying BVP anymore, but BVP, can't, can't think of him otherwise. Uh, his, his parents, ca- oh, no, oh, I'm putting this out, I'll blast. Uh, his parents came and visited uh, the float shop, you know, within like a year or two of us opening. And, you know, I was very, it was very important to me to just provide a calm space for somebody when they walked in. So, you know, I'm, I'm sweating ass, running around, doing all my stuff on transitions. But then when I'm out front, all I'm projecting is calm and peace. And so they came and visited. I hung out with them, poured them tea. We hung out. We talked and everything. And it was just like this really sweet hangout and conversation. And, and you know, eventually they leave. And then I get word from Brian a couple days later. Like, they were like, wow. So Dylan just sits around on a couch all day and that's his job? Like, that's his business is just sitting around? Like, yeah. shouldn't he? Like, huh. Interesting. Like, in a, in a, in a negative way, you know? It was like... Great. That is exactly what should be projected out to people coming in is all I do is sit and drink tea with people. But uh, yeah, behind the scenes, there's a whole lot more going on that we can't No, You literally can't understand it unless you're doing it. You just can't mm-hmm. understand. What goes and why it. anybody would want to do that. Like, why would we go through all of this craziness and do all of this hard work? It's sure, because yeah. that seeing somebody after a float and, you know, recognizing we have a member who came in tonight and uh, I was chatting with one of my team members about her. And I said, you know, just to know this person, I was like, you didn't get to meet her back in the beginning, but to know Mm -hmm. the person who comes in now, and we were talking about how great and wonderful and sweet and nice she was. I'm like, yeah, she wasn't always, but she has had this transformation over the past three to four years that she's been coming to see us. And she is a totally different human now. And that's why it is worth it to go through all of, all of that hard stuff is to be able to get to the point where you can look at somebody and go, wow, this floating thing has really changed that person's life. And like, I, it still gives me goosebumps to think about like, just gave me goosebumps listening to you. Yeah. That's the woman fuzzies. That's the motivator, right? (laughs) It's yeah. still 
worth it. And you can still feel that way and recognize, Drew, that it's time for you to do something else, too, so that you can continue to love and honor and respect the float and say good things about it before you get to the point that um, it's not right for you anymore. Totally. I want to add, I know this is the selling your float center Mm -hmm. part, but like in the other direction, uh, like we've had clients that were hospice care patients, like they, they were on their way out of this world and, um, uh, going to rise. I tried to read this letter, uh, somebody had written, um, uh, before she passed and I, I couldn't finish it. I had to have somebody else read it. So I don't even know if people understood what I said, but, um, uh, this was one of the only times they didn't experience pain, right? It was like 90 minutes in the float tank and they can just, just have their own thoughts, not be in pain and not be crushed. And, uh, it it is uh, really cool to be able to experience, uh, sorry, sorry. Um, try to maintain, uh, I don't need that connection with every single client. Uh, Mm -hmm. it is okay to have employees having those experiences and it's okay to be managing, and knowing that people are having those experiences um, going through my center, that that does still fulfill me and add something for me. Um, but it is good to have those reminders. Those reminders are important. Okay. So sorry, I know I'm going the other direction with that. But for those people who are hanging out to their float centers, or you do get that value or you're, you know, want to have a manager, all that stuff like those values in you are still important. And it is still OK if you have that buffer in between you, if it's not fulfilling you the same way, I don't know what my point is. Okay. (laughs) Floating is good. (sighs) And selling your float center when it's not right for you anymore is also good. As long as you're still loving the float. You got to figure out what's right for you. I think that's what's right for you. Thanks. I needed that quick. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing, right? Trying to figure out what makes you happy. And as much as we're providing for others, Mm -hmm. like don't forget about you. Also have to live your yeah, life and you do what, what fulfills you and yeah. what makes you happy and, um, you Practice know. what we preach. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. if you're trying to take care of others but not taking care of yourself, then it's diminishing returns on taking care of others. Like You got it. it you, you have totally. to be selfish to that degree. Yeah. And, and when I step back and look at a macro level of what's going on in my flow center, I feel like some new energy would be awesome for the flow center. And yep. they'd probably do some cool things that yep. I'm just not – interested in doing and i know that and i'll hear from other people doing cool stuff at their float centers and i'm like oh i should do that and i'm like then that's kind of it right like i'll think oh that's awesome i should do that and then i just go on with my day and i don't do it right but someone with new energy might come i think should come in and do that stuff and Mm -hmm. do full moon floats and do more Mm retail like i don't do any retail anymore i just like this stuff i just don't do, you know, and it's like, <laughs> come on in, add your flavor and yeah. bring your, bring your vibe to the community. And, yeah. um, and even that, like, we'll get into this more, but I've had people question like, what happens when I leave? And I'm like, it's an opportunity for you to bring in your people. I, I attract my people who might not jive the same way that your people would jive with you. And instead, it's not a, to me, it's not a detriment. It's an opportunity to build yeah. your own community and your people. And, you know, I'm, I'm me. And so I attract certain type of people and I'm going to rub some people the wrong way. And I get that and it's all good. And maybe they go to another float center and float at that place. But there's, I have space for people that, um, 
you know, vibe with me and that's awesome. And if you come in and buy my place, you can vibe with people. You just got to be here and talk to them and you'll attract your people or you won't if you're a jerk, like that's on you, but (laughs) you know, that's, um, yeah. So we'll talk more about those other, uh, topics, including how do you find someone to actually buy a float center? Because I actually ran an ad and I had good response to it. And I'll tell people about that. Um, and I'll even share the website on, on that episode, uh, because it's still active and I have a really cool video explaining that my float center is for sale. Um, so we'll kind of get into, into all of that, but, um, yeah, the decision has been made. I'm 100% going to sell my float center. I'm There's multiple people who are actively looking at my finances right now as we record this episode, and we'll see where that goes. But I look forward to kind of sharing, and I hope I also, just for people who are listening, I hope I can be a resource if you are – I don't – I'm not in a bad spot, so I don't – I can't speak to being like, I just need to sell, and anyone who looks my way, we're going to dance. But – I, I can speak to um, being in a good spot and I think I'm in a position of power in the negotiation as far as um, I'm, I don't need to sell. I want to, but I don't need to, you know. So, Drew, if somebody is listening and they're interested in, you know, looking at your center and possibly buying it, how do they reach yeah. out to you? Uh, they can check out nhfloat.com or reach out to Drew at nhfloat.com or um, find me on social media. Um, you could also, um, reach out to me on Facebook, Drew Jitsu, Instagram, Drew Jitsu. And, uh, yeah, I'm around if anyone wants to, wants to talk about it it, or even just say, Hey, what's it look like? How do you, how do you even begin to do the, to come up with the process? Because I've learned a lot about my business that I didn't know prior to having to get ready to sell. And, it's been eye-opening and it's probably stuff I should have known before, but when I'm hmm. in it, I'm not thinking about. And there are things you can do to, right? I want to maximize the value of my business. I don't want to be in a bad spot where I'm like, just give me something and let me get out of here. I want to try to get the most amount of money possible out of my business. And I think I'm in a good spot to be able to do that. <sighs> Man, talk about full circle. Talking about selling it on the podcast, uh, putting it out there. That's crazy, man. Drew, um, I hope we were able to talk about um, how you value your business. I know behind the scenes we've talked about that and you have some crazy great insights on that. I want to talk about brokers, um, how to find people who are going to buy your center. Um, Yeah, let's do this. Makes me sad. I got to say, (laughs) there's a feeling of loss I feel with it. I'm, I'm so happy and excited for you. But uh, yeah, it's not lost yet. It's coming, but it's not. It hasn't happened yet. It, well, I'm the one who's always, always stressed out about like global warming. Like I, I'm seeing what's ahead, and it, <laughs> yeah. it, it stresses me out. You know, I yeah. should be more in the moment, admittedly. But uh, yeah, anywho, jeez, uh, um, you know, when we have a guest on, uh, we always ask, you know, is there anything uh, in conclusion you'd like to um, leave our audience with? What What would you leave our audience with tonight, Drew? As our guest, uh, as our guest, and <laughs> as the topic is about the decision, I would say now think about what is the future like for you and your business. Do you have an exit strategy? The sooner you think about it, the better prepared you will be, and the more value you will get out of your business. And the less you think about it, the worse it's going to be when you get to a point where you're like, 
oh snap, I need to sell my business and don't really have a choice. You know, that you become, um, you just kind of become stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so if I could leave people with anything, I hope this sparks you to start thinking about what do you do next, if there is a next. And even if there's not, because I've had conversations um, with someone who's older and they're thinking like, I'm not going to do this forever. So Hmm. what, maybe five, 10 more years and then what? And how do I get out when it's five or 10 more years? Interesting. Right. So, and, and um, truly, as a good business owner, the, I, I have a feeling the things that you're going to be sharing with us are things that we should know about our businesses anyway, so that we yeah. can help control uh, and shift and improve upon them if we don't already. So I think it's it's going to be a pretty valuable um, exercise for everybody. Totally. I can't wait to, to learn. Yeah, from you on I that. hope it, I really hope it sparks a lot of people mm-hmm. to, to think about it and mm-hmm. at least, you know, get your books in order. Right. Like if. <laughs> If that stuff's not, it's going to be such a hard sell if yeah, you're right. if you're not keeping track of your stuff. Mm-hmm. I am keeping track of my stuff, and it's still confusing to some people. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's like so. Um, think about it. Think seriously about your skills, what you want to do, what makes you happy, what drives you. Be honest with yourself. You know, I think those are all good things to leave people with. That you should have a serious, not in the float center thought about it like step back think about it when you're not in it and be honest with yourself and if you have to write down pros and cons go ahead and do that but um i think if you're just not thinking about it at all and you're just in it then Mm. um when you don't want to be in it anymore it's going to be a lot more difficult for you when you decide that you don't want to be in it anymore so uh, I, I am fortunate to be from New England where the best coach in football history, Bill Belichick, famously says he'd rather let go of a player a year or two early than hold on to them a year or two too late. And that's what happened with Tom Brady. He let him go early. But that's always been his motto. And I kind of agree with that in the business sense. Like I'd rather be done a year or two early versus a year or two late because it's not going to benefit me to wait that long. You know, it's just... Yeah. It'll benefit someone else who's going to buy it at a great deal, right? So, um, so think about it, everyone who's listening. Get those get those conversations going. If you have partners, how do you exit? What what's your thoughts? And be honest with what makes you happy and what drives you. Ooh, wow! Have we had a guest oh. with a better last last note for the episode? Oh, damn, Drew! Yeah, that's just yep. the beginning. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into selling a selling your flow center, and I have so to much to share. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I'm way further um, along than just having decided. Just so people yeah. know, so we'll we'll kind of retroactively share some of that stuff. And and uh, it was Car- Carlos that we had on previously. You know, who had sold his float center. And when you say it's only the beginning, also like once you sell, it's just it's it's a new beginning. Like once he let go, it was like, oh my gosh, there is this whole other world and. There seem to be no regrets whatsoever and just a lot of zest for life. And um, I think sometimes we hang on to things longer than we need to. Speaking of, you were talking about relationships, uh, re- like romantic personal relationships. I mean, who hasn't hung on to a relationship uh, too tightly too long, you know, and when it should have been over. So uh, interesting that we might might just do that again in some other facet of our life. Um, thank you, Drew. Goodness gracious. Um, I'm excited to start this series. This is going to be some great info. And like you said, even if we're not about to sell, just having all that stuff dialed in and ready to go is, is where we should be anyway. Um, thank you, Drew and Kim. 
Uh, thanks to everybody for listening to this really cool episode, just a tight 30 minute episode. And uh, thanks to everybody supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for supporting uh, Mindful Solutions, Kim's project. If you want help with your social media, my goodness, um, just uh, talk to her. Uh, mindful, that's two L's dot solutions. And uh, she can just get your social media running. That's great. And uh, yeah, actually, I've, I've become more and more active in Mindfully uh, Social, which is uh, the, um, gosh, their programs. What is it? Buffer platform, platform yeah. to, to post yeah. out your all your social media stuff. Uh, just more active in there, tweaking things, uh, just uh, going in there and posting my own stuff in there to, to fill it out as well. And finally, just becoming more active with that and kind of kind of loving it. Um, yeah. Get in contact with Kim. It's a, it's a, it's it's a project. Um, your own social media takes a lot of work, <laughs> and uh, just to have somebody else running it for you, get, like getting it out there, always knowing you have a content drip, is so nice for me. Uh, thanks so much to Helmbot for supporting us. Thanks to the FTA for supporting us. Super cool. We appreciate you guys so much. We appreciate what you do for the industry. It has so much meaning and impact for us. And um, whom else? Thanks, producer Olga. Thank you so much for producing this show. And I think that's it. Until next time, take a day off. Look into, like Drew said, the pros and the cons. Should you be running a float center? Or should you sell? I don't know. We'll see. Find out next week. See you next week. <laughs>